Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Uh, it's been a really good, good and busy week uh, for me, but I have uh, just, I'm so excited for today. Even this morning, just having a sense that God is going to be speaking and moving already, I think I've just felt a connection with his spirit in worship. And, you know, one of the things that Michelle always kind of reminds us in our staff meetings, one of the ways that we pray regularly is for just a, a powerful move of God's spirit when we gather. And so I'm so thankful for that continued uh, encouragement, Michelle. And uh, I feel like we could have just keep singing uh, for the whole time, just to give honor and praise to God. Amen. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful that we can gather and, to, and do that. Today, we, uh, we enter into our, the third week of our Shaped Like G- Jesus series, where we've been looking at different characteristics of who Jesus is, and, and we're asking this question, how does my life shape, uh, compa- how is the shape of my life compared to the characteristics of Jesus? Got it. I'm, 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 I'm getting there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm tripping over my words this morning. We're asking this question, are we allowing our hearts and minds and how we live to be shaped by the one that we call Lord? We are asking this question in this season of Lent, this season that's set aside these weeks before Easter, where we are asking uh, the Lord to really reveal uh, what's going on in our lives and giving us an opportunity to, uh, to return to him with all our heart if we need to couple of things that we have said each week that we're trying to do week by week. Number one, we want to participate in spiritual practices that'll help shape the way that we think and act. So you've, we've seen these for a couple of weeks, and so I guess my question would be, are, how is this going in your week, uh, in your daily life during this season? Are you participating, setting aside some time to participate in spiritual practices that'll help shape your life, your mind, and your heart? Uh, We want to become more sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit as we gather, for sure, but in our daily life. And we want to become more familiar with the character of Jesus. And so we're looking at these characteristics week by week. So as we dive in this morning, we're going to look at one characteristic that is probably, that probably most defines what it means to be shaped by Jesus. And that's the characteristic, the way that we love and so here is my, I was kind of wrestling with this uh, this week because this concept and this idea is so important for us to understand, but it's also one that we have heard about a lot. <laughs> and so like last week, remember Jesus's admonition where he, he's like, don't just listen to my words and think these are good ideas. You need to put them into practice, right? That's kind of the idea with this is we've heard the, the conversation about love. We've heard teaching about love, but my prayer has been that this week as we talk about this, that the Lord will really allow us to open our heart and mind and ask, how am I doing in loving like Jesus? It's really important. Probably more than anything else in scripture, love is the the distinguishing characteristic of a life shaped by Jesus. So even as we begin this morning, I want you to hold that question open to God. How am I doing at loving, at loving others, a loving God. We'll talk about these things. So if you're a parent or a grandparent, one of the, I think the most fun aspects of being a, a, a parent, especially with a, a new child, 
is that you guys, for the first time, when you hold your baby for the first time, maybe you remember what this is like. You kind of look, how does this little one look like me? And how does this little one look like mom? And how does this little one, like, have the, the how did that all mix together? What does that look like? That's really fun. For example, I think all of my kids got my unbelievable good looks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, remember my name is Kyle and it does mean handsome. So uh, just kidding. They got their looks from their mother. Uh, all of them. So, but the, you know, the other thing is over time, uh, you, you get to notice how they physically look like you, but you also get to pass on other things like your values, beliefs, personality characteristics, even things like mannerisms, how you say certain words or uh, other particular behaviors. It's quite amazing as you begin to recognize that over, over time. So you can think of love as a family characteristic that's passed down from our parent, God, to his children, that is you and me. It's that important. Becoming like Jesus means taking on his characteristics. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says this. Imitate God, uh, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So, I, that is a, we know that passage. Maybe you're familiar with that. But that's pretty challenging, isn't it? <laughs> if you read it, imitate God. You, here, sitting in this room, one of our jobs is to imitate God. God in everything we do. And it highlights, live a life filled with love. In 1 John 4, 7 through 10, it reads, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. God showed us, or he showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Love is central to who Jesus is and what Jesus did. It's central to who we are and how we're supposed to live, or at least it should be. <laughs> It's hard, I know. But so love is not only a central uh, uh, value for who we are, for who Jesus is, for who we are, but love is also a central value and characteristic in the larger kingdom of God. In fact, when Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, he said that it was to love God and to love others. In Matthew 22, which we're going to come back to this a little bit later on, but in Matthew 22, 35 through 40, one of them, an expert in the religious law, tried to trap him, that is Jesus, with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So we know that uh, how we love God and others is so important that we're reminded that our success on this earth uh, won't be measured in fame or wealth or even in the good works we've done. It's love that makes our lives count. Everything else is secondary. 
in 1 Corinthians 13. I know there's lots of passages here. We're going through a lot of scripture because the Bible talks about love a lot. Uh, So 1 Corinthians 13, you know this passage. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't have or but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. These are kind of uh, difficult passages to look at as we reflect on, is my life driven by this type of love that characterized Jesus and characterized the kingdom of God? You see, Jesus had all these abilities in 1 Corinthians 13, right? He could speak with angels. He could fathom all mysteries. He had mountain-moving faith. He gave himself to the poor. He gave up his body to be crucified and killed. But the reason that it mattered to us was because he did it out of love. He loved the Father, uh, and he loved us enough to die for us, to, to give his life. A primary characteristic of the kingdom of God is love. Is that true of your life? I'll say it again, love is the distinguishing characteristic of a Jesus-shaped life. So how are you at loving others? How are you at loving your spouse? How are you at loving your kids or your neighbors or your co-workers? How are you at loving people who disagree with you? How are you at loving your church family? There's so many categories and characteristics of the way that we're supposed to be expressing love. If you reflect on your actions and words toward all these people, do your actions put on display the love of Jesus, the way that Jesus loved? This is the, that's the hard reflective Lenten question because I think for some of us in some categories, the answer is yes. Maybe some is I'm trying and maybe over here it's like it really does not look like Jesus, right? (laughs) Got some work to do in this area and that's okay. We want to continue to pursue the way of Jesus. So I want to pause here and go back to, the, to Matthew 22, uh, because one of, uh, we've heard this passage before, but in this passage, Jesus highlights two, uh, uh, the first two significant kind of pillars of love that should work out in our lives, in our hearts, and in our thinking. I love what Jesus does in this conversation with this expert who tried to trap him. Uh, he was trying to trap Jesus. He was trying to make Jesus say something that was going to get him in trouble with the crowd and and make him lose face and lose credibility. Uh, And what this teacher got here, Jesus is genius in this moment because what this teacher got is a lesson on love that cut right to the heart. And it still does today. Incredible teaching. So the first thing that Jesus does is he kind of ropes this guy in. And he says this in uh, verse 37. You must, first, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, we read that and we're like, yep, that's great. We, that's, we fully agree with that. That's, we need to start there. But one of the things that you might not notice at first is that this comes from the Old Testament. In fact, this is a prayer known as the Shema. And the Shema is, it was, for ancient Jewish people, was one of the most significant daily prayers that everybody knew and practiced. You didn't miss praying the Shema. 
It still is important today. But in Deuteronomy 6 is where it comes from. It says this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So this is brilliant on Jesus' part, right? Because the first thing, the way that he engages this this, uh, Pharisee, this expert in the law, is to say... Hey, the first thing you need to do is to uh, really embody the Shema. The guy's like, yes, I'm in. I do this every day. We're on the same page. We're thinking the same. We're feeling the same about this. This is super important. Jesus, I like you, right? He's like, he's, Jesus is roping him in. I love it. Brilliant. And, and this is actually the first pillar of love in our life. Not only is he roping this guy in, but Jesus is still teaching that the most important, one of the most important pillars, the first pillar of love that works out in our life is that we love God with all, all our heart, our soul, our strength, our mind. First pillar. So that's, that's reflection. How am I at loving God with all those areas of my life? <clears throat> and then Jesus does something. So that's the first pillar. So then Jesus does something that shocks the expert. Uh, And he says, but guess what? There's something that's equally as important. And this is the second pillar. And and right there, Jesus may have lost this teacher. Equally as important? Sorry, Jesus, you're getting this one wrong, right? There's nothing that's as equally as important as the Shema that we've been praying forever. And then Jesus says to him, and second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. This is shocking. Shocking for the people that are hearing Jesus talk about this. He kind of redefines love here. True love expressed in your life is not only love for God with all that you are, but it's also love for your neighbor. And this isn't like the neighbor, like the person that lives next to us. That's how we often think about it, or maybe, you know, when we read this word neighbor. Uh, or, or you could say this isn't just the neighbor in, in the sense of that it's we want to love people that are like us in a lot of ways. What Jesus was saying is that as equally as important as to loving God is loving those who are unlike you. Who you might consider to be people you don't want to have anything to do with. The outsider, right, in this culture. Those might, who are sick on a lot of levels. Even your enemy. Jesus is saying it's as equally as important. Love working out in your life starts with your full-hearted, devoted love to God. And your full-hearted devotion and love towards someone you don't like. Even someone you consider to be an enemy. People outside your comfort zone. People you want to exclude from your life. And in Luke, right after saying this, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. I mean, Jesus, he's laying it on thick here, but he's really making a point, And it's something that we need to be aware of as well. We have talked about this. You probably have heard messages about this before. But we have come through a significant season of disagreement and demonization of the other, right? And so this, this is such an important teaching about what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus with a life that's shaped like Jesus. The Good Samaritan, a shocking parable to those who heard it. 
uh, a story that highlights God working through the love of someone. Now, that's kind of his, he has multiple layers of this. He's, he's like, oh yeah, you see the way that this guy loved this other guy? Like, that's good. But you know who the guy was? Your enemy. <laughs> Your political, societal, and religious enemy. God used someone who you think is evil to show love to someone else. I mean, it's an unbelievable story. And so this guy is like, wow. Do you see where Jesus has taken this love in our life? Is it, it's intense. <laughs> and it's not easy. This is who we are as followers of Jesus. We love God with all our heart, all, all our soul, and all our mind. But we, we also love those around us, even those that we like to consider outsides or the outsiders, the other, or even our enemies. How are you doing at living love like that in your life? That's hard. Then there's a last pillar. That's the second pillar. Then there's a last pillar of love uh, that is, should be expressed in our lives that Jesus talks about. We find this uh, in John chapter 13, uh, starting in verse 34, and it reads like this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So we know the first pillar is that we're loving God with all our heart, mind, and soul. The second is that we're loving our enemy just the same. And the third pillar here is that we need to be really good at loving each other, right? We talked briefly, uh, you know, about, about these other things. But Jesus says here that it's also really important that you love each other well. And I know that this can be difficult. At times it can be difficult to express love to those who are closest to us. Uh, There are many things that get in the way of deep love expressed uh, to those who are like our family. I read something this last week that said that the, the, they call it, what did this author call it? I didn't write it down. Uh, That there's nothing that stings like the kiss of Judas, right? Someone who you loved so deeply, who loved Jesus so deeply and walked with him. Such pain. The Bible talks about barriers to love, especially as it relates to loving those who are closest to us. In 1 John 3, it reminds us not to be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one, it says, and killed his brother out of jealousy. In that same chapter, it tells us that a lack of compassion and a judgmental spirit toward each other are major barriers to expressing love. In the book of Acts, we're reminded that unforgiveness and anger toward others are a major barrier that destroys our ability to love. Jealousy, a judgmental spirit, a lack of compassion, anger, and unforgiveness. Major issues that all of us have to face, especially in those that are closest to us. Now, each of those could be an entire message series on their own, right? (laughs) This This is big life stuff. But keep in mind that Jesus is telling this story, he's telling this commandment in the context of loving each other at the dinner where he's betrayed by Judas. And just before, he's about to sacrifice his life for everyone. He's telling us to love each other in this deep, significant way in the midst of being betrayed. Wow. (laughs) Jesus is putting on, he's modeling for us in this moment of pain what he wants us to do, to be people who are defined in every way by 
love. Shortly after this dinner, we have recorded one of Jesus' most powerful prayers in John chapter 17, praying for the unity of his followers. And I love that prayer because he's not only praying for the unity there, but he's, he includes language for all future believers as well, right? You and me, he prayed for our unity. To this day, loving each other well is so very important to Jesus. The church is most visible, tangible, and powerful when we're operating in all three pillars of love. Loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Loving our enemies as we love ourselves. And profound love for each other every day in our words and in our deeds. Amen? That's when the church is super bright in a dark world. So how are we doing at that? This is how the world will know that we are children of God. And this will help put God on display. Like we talked about last week, that if we do that, it's almost like we are works of art that make people look uh, and uh, take notice. Uh, in fact, one, in the New Testament, one, at one point, members of the early church were arguing whether or not a Christian was required to be circumcised as a mark of belonging. And the Apostle Paul reminded them this. For when we place our faith in Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised, which is, a, which is it's, it, it's a major discussion here at this point in Scripture. What's important is faith expressing itself in love. You know how you're marked? You know how you will be seen as one of the children of God? It's no longer a physical mark. It's in the way that you love. This is important stuff for us. So I'd like to end our time, as we've done for these last uh, couple of weeks, with just a few practical steps that'll help us grow in this area. Uh, and here's the cool connection with some of these. These are, we've highlighted these uh, through our Bless Model stuff uh, material, which is all on our website, and you can go and look at that. Remember, the Bless Model is the fourth step of our discipleship pathway. How are we developing relationships with people, essentially using hospitality to invite people into their own relationship with the Lord. So the first thing I think that'll help us grow in our ability uh, to love is to listen to others. Just to, to listen deeply. Active listening is such an important piece of relationship that helps people feel heard and loved. Any relationship starts with listening to someone's words, life, their story, Really hearing and understanding what someone has to say, what they're feeling, is one of the, the most loving gifts you can possibly give someone. In fact, one author I read this week wrote this, being heard is as close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Right? Have you ever sat with someone, whether it be your spouse or a child or just a friend, and had that active listening where you, you are really focused on their story because you love them and you want them to be heard. You're giving space for them. That is so powerful. I, we say this all the time in pastoral ministry. Never underestimate the power of presence, right? Just being with someone and listening to their story can help communicate significant love. Jesus was an ultimate listener and he modeled this for us in lots of different ways. He was motivated by love for every person that he encountered, and he often took time to listen to them. One example, which I'll go through really quickly here, is the, uh, the account of Jesus and the blind beggar in Luke chapter 18. 
says this, when Jesus was coming close to Jericho, a blind man sat uh, begging beside the road. A man heard the, the man heard the crowd walking by and asked what is happening. Some of the people told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. So the blind man shouted, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. The people who were going along with Jesus told the man to be quiet, but he shouted even louder, son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and told the people to bring the blind man over to him. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> this is a listening word that Jesus is asking here or, or putting on display. Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. This is a fascinating story because Jesus hadn't planned on stopping. He was on his way somewhere else. But he took the time to pause and to listen to someone who was suffering and in pain. And he did something about it. Incredible. How are you at providing space to listen to others? The second thing I think we can do is to pray for and with each other. We said in the first week of our series that we are going to spend a, the rest of this year with a, a, a more intense focus on prayer in our lives. And so to be able to pray uh, with each other is also a way to practice love uh, and give someone space to enter the kingdom of, of heaven. We see Jesus doing this all the time, taking time to pray for people and with people for their healing and their wholeness. Taking time not only to pray for people, but with people communicates not only that you love them, but that God loves them. And that we're willing to set aside our own stuff and intercede on behalf of someone else for their benefit. This is huge to be able to do that. And the last thing that I'll mention, there are so many uh, different things that we could do to practice love. Lots of different ways. So please explore more. Share with each other how you're growing in this area of your spiritual walk as well. But we want to serve others. We want to do something. We've, the language we use around here is take loving action on behalf of other people. Scripture records lots of, of world-changing shifts with Jesus and his teaching and how he lived his life. But one of Jesus' last encounters with his followers prior to his crucifixion uh, was one of the most uh, staggering shifts, I think. What he did in the upper room right before he was uh, take, arrested in the garden and taken away represent, represented a shift that overturned a lie that plagued humanity back then and I think still does today in a lot of ways. And that is that if you look out for yourself— you need to look out for yourself before you look out for anyone else. See, what Jesus did is he knew his power. He knew his position. He had everything under his authority. It says, uh, and yet what did he do? He took off his crown and he picked up an apron, right? The one who sat in the highest position of all stooped down to serve those who were with them and washed their feet. Jesus, God in the flesh, maker and sustainer of everything, King of kings, Lord of lords, no one higher, no one with more power. We know that this was a practice in the ancient world. Whenever someone came into their house, they would have a basin to wash feet. And most of the time, it was the person lowest in the house that would do this. It was not a job for someone with Jesus' stature. It was dirty and gross, smelly. <laughs> and Jesus... 
<laughs> Jesus' message is simple. It's now our turn to follow his example and to set aside our power to take loving action on behalf of someone else. It's your turn. It's our turn to set aside whatever crown we may carry for an apron. We live in a world that believes the higher you rise, the more power and wealth you accumulate, the more leverage it gets you to have others serve you. That is not the way of Jesus. Jesus takes that idea and says, here's what it really looks like to love the world. Set aside your crown and pick up an apron. I'll say it again. Love is the distinguishing characteristic of a life shaped by Jesus. So how are you at doing that? How are you at loving God with all that you are? How are you at loving your enemies? And how are you at loving each other? These are hard questions. Jesus doesn't make it easy for us. I'm thankful he doesn't make it easy for us. But he helps us all along the way with the power of the Holy Spirit and each other. Amen. Worship team, would you come on back up? I want to encourage you just to take these ideas and make them a matter of prayer for, uh, for your week, for your day. Uh, reflect. How am I doing in these areas? How might I grow? And then let's help each other. Let's connect with each other. Call someone this week. Send them a message. Write them a card. Let them know you're praying for them. Uh, get together for coffee or a meal and talk about these kinds of things. Let's do it together. Because with the help of each other and the Holy Spirit, we can grow in significant ways and make a difference in this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful. First of all, I think we just need to thank you, Jesus, for the way that you loved us. You set aside the privileges of, of heaven and you came to us. And you came to us, you didn't put on a crown here. You didn't rule on a throne in a worldly kingdom. You showed us the, the values of the kingdom of God, which is to love. And in loving us, you gave us full and redeemed, forgiven life. That's the outcome of what you've done for us. Salvation and forgiveness, redemption. You rewrite our stories. You invite us in the midst. You, with grace, you invite us over and over again when we consistently choose our own way. You are a loving and good God. Help us uh, shape our lives as we follow you to love like you did, to look like you did in this world that desperately needs it. We give you all praise and glory, Jesus. And in your name we pray, amen. Would you stand and let's sing this last song together?